0: Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. On this installment of Talks at Advent, we're going to begin a series of talks that aren't simply the recordings of our homilies on Sundays and feast days, but rather talks on special topics. Today, we'll be exploring what the Divine Liturgy, or the Mass, is and how it's structured. The content of this talk comes from the appendix in the service books we use at Church of the Advent. The appendix is titled, About the Liturgy. About the Liturgy, the Eucharist. The principal worship service of the Orthodox Church is the ritual meal known as the Eucharist, from the Greek Eucharistia meaning thanksgiving. The celebration of the Eucharist is as old as the church itself, going all the way back to Jesus' institution of the meal in the upper room with his disciples in the night in which he was betrayed, 1 Corinthians 11:23 through 26 Beginning in Jerusalem and then spreading throughout the world, Christians have faithfully followed Jesus' commandment to do this in remembrance of me. Why is this the principal form of Christian worship? Jesus' own words answer this, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. John 6.53 In the Eucharist, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. Romans 12.1 And God makes present to us in the bread and the wine Christ's one complete and sufficient sacrifice on the cross, so that in them we may partake of Christ's very life, His body and blood. Take, eat, this is my body which is for you. Luke 22.19-20 As the church grew to include various people groups in their languages, the original Eucharistic service from Jerusalem was developed and adorned by those various peoples according to their unique musical and artistic expressions, poetic traditions, and senses of beauty, dignity, and piety. The largely Greek-speaking eastern half of the Roman Empire, later called the Byzantine Empire, would come to call the celebration of the Eucharist the Divine Liturgy. Liturgy, from the Greek liturgia, meaning a work of the people, or, in New Testament usage, a public worship service. In the western part of the Roman Empire, where the legacy of old Roman culture was more established and Latin was the lingua franca, the Eucharist came to be called the Misa, or the Mass in English. This word comes from the final dismissal of the service, ite misa est, or roughly, go, this is the sending out. Though many of the sights, sounds, and particular words of the Eucharistic services of the Eastern and Western traditions are different, the structures of both are very much alike, because both grew organically out of that original primitive liturgy of the earliest Christians in Jerusalem. East and West The basic shape of the liturgy in both the East and the West is twofold, consisting of the liturgy of the catechumens and the liturgy of the faithful. These are so named because in the first centuries of the Church, catechumens, or those who were still being prepared to be received into the Church as full members, would be dismissed after the first part, leaving only the full members of the Church, the faithful, for the second part. Because this practice of dismissing the catechumens between each part has largely disappeared, the two main parts of the liturgy are now sometimes called after what their main focuses are, the liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the Eucharist. In both the Eastern and Western liturgies, these two main parts can be further divided as follows. The Liturgy of the Word. The Entrance. This includes the fixed features of the Great Litany and Three Antiphons in the East, and the Kyrie and Gloria in the West. It also includes chants proper to the day, being the triparia and Kentalkia in the East, and the Introit and Collux in the West. Proclamation. Passages of Scripture are proclaimed over the congregation in both the East and the West, accompanied by special chants, the Prokimenon in the East and the Gradual in the West, and at the Gospel, a triple Alleluia chant with verses for the day. Homily The general custom in both East and West is to follow the Gospel proclamation with a homily, usually based on that Gospel passage or the theme for the day. The Liturgy of the Eucharist Creed. The word creed comes from its first word in Latin, credo, I believe. The East calls this creed the symbol of faith to this day. Oblation. The gifts of bread and wine are reverently brought from the preparation table to the altar. This is done solemnly but directly in the West, while in the East the gifts are processed out into the nave in the great entrance. The Eastern liturgy continues with the cherubic hymn, and in the West the proper offertory chant of the day is sung, often followed by some appropriate hymn. The Western offertory prayers are prayed at this point, being somewhat analogous to what takes place before the Eastern liturgy during the prothesis. Consecration. In both Eastern and Western rites, this begins with the priest's admonition to the people, lift up your hearts, and for both rites, The following Eucharistic prayers share the same essential features. They are addressed to the Father, include Jesus' words of institution, invoke the Holy Spirit to make the bread and wine Christ's own body and blood, and concludes with a Trinitarian doxology. Communion. The faithful then receive the bread and wine, usually intincted or dipped and received together, while hymns are sung. Dismissal. After the Eucharist is properly consumed and the holy vessels are cleaned, the priest blesses the people and sends them out. The following is a description of the liturgy according to St. Ticon in the Western Rite usage of the Antiochian Western Rite Vicariate. A note on the ceremonial. Human beings, as created to live in this natural world by God, have both body and soul, a physical aspect and a spiritual aspect. This means that worship of God, the highest and best human activity possible, corresponds to the nature of man. Worship involves the entire person, both body and soul. In the Divine Liturgy, man offers up to God a twofold worship, a spiritual worship which consists of an interior attention and contemplation, and a physical worship manifesting itself in the sights, sounds, bodily positions, and ceremonies. God, who created the physical world and placed man in it, makes his grace available to us through physical and material means, chiefly the sacraments, outward physical signs of invisible spiritual grace. And Christianity is an inescapably sacramental religion, just like its predecessor, the religion of the Hebrew Old Covenant. The Mass is both the continuation and the perfect fulfillment of the divinely ordained liturgy of the ancient Hebrew people. It is also the reflection, upon earth, of the eternal liturgy in heaven, the New Jerusalem which the Apostle John beheld in his revelation. The worship of the temple was an extremely solemn and serious matter. It was not orchestrated as a form of popular entertainment. Its rites and ceremonies, including the sacred vestments and precious vessels, the prayers and the chants, were exactly and minutely defined by the command of God Himself. Similarly, the rites and ceremonies of the Mass, the divinely ordained temple liturgy of the New Covenant, are exactly and minutely defined by the authority of the Church. The Holy Fathers and the bishops, the Apostle's successors, are invested by Christ with the authority to bind and to loose, Matthew sixteen nineteen and 18, 18, The Church, therefore, as a steward of the grace of God entrusted to her, always obeys the command of the Apostle Paul. Let all things be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14.40 The Asperges On Sundays, the Mass may be preceded by a brief rite of sprinkling with holy water, commonly called the Asperges, after the first Latin word of the rite. Outside of the Easter season, the choir sings from Psalm 51, Thou shalt purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. In Eastertide, the Vidi Aquam is sung, all of which is borrowed from the book of Ezekiel, including... I saw water proceeding out of the temple. The asperges remind the faithful of the waters of holy baptism, the laver of regeneration from which they were born again by water and the Spirit. The Preparation These prayers of humble preparation said by the priest and his assistants at the foot of the altar express their devout sentiments and petitions before they approach the altar of sacrifice. The preparation contains expressions of both repentance and hope, sorrow and joy, confession of sins, and confidence in God's mercy. It is a poignant expression of the longing of the Christian soul to leave behind the sinful distractions of this world to, quote, go unto the altar of God and be united with God forever. Commonly, at a sung or solemn high mass in the parish settings, these prayers of preparation are said quietly by the celebrant and his assistants while the choir sings an opening hymn and in the introit psalm. The introit The term introit is derived from the Latin word for entrance. The introit, a proper, that is variable, part of the Mass, is a chant consisting of four basic parts, an antiphon, commonly from the Psalms, a psalm verse, a verse of praise and honor of God, the Holy Trinity, commonly called the Gloria Patri or the Minor Doxology, and then finally a repetition of the antiphon at the beginning. Its current function in the Mass is to announce or introduce the theme of the day in the Church's calendar. The introit was originally a much longer chant, designed to accompany the entrance procession of the celebrant and his many assistants as they made their way to the sanctuary from the back of a large basilica church. Today, this processional function is often fulfilled by an opening hymn, followed by the current shortened version of the introit. The Collect for Purity This prayer, which the priest says as the conclusion of the preparatory prayers, or audibly at the altar following the introit, is a continuation of the idea of preparation. We who have come to Mass from the turmoil and confusion of the world must ask God to send His Holy Spirit, quote, to cleanse the thoughts of our hearts, that we may be able to participate fruitfully in the Church's holiest and most important act upon earth. The Summary of the Law at the beginning of Mass, as part of our continued acclamation of the heavenly mysteries, we are presented with Christ's authoritative summary of the entirety of God's revelation in the Old Testament, which is the very essence of the Christian life, love for God and love for neighbor, Matthew 2237 37-40. We cannot participate justly or fruitfully in the Eucharist unless we have our Christian priorities in order. But let man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. 28. Kyrie. The theme of humble preparation and penitence is completed with the recitation of the ninefold Kyrie Laison, Greek for Lord have mercy. We ask God for the mercy and grace to fulfill this lofty vocation of love. The Kyrie is actually the remnant of a much longer ancient prayer called a litany, a string of various petitions chanted by a deacon with the people's response, Lord have mercy. Many commentators note that the first three petitions, Kyrie Eleison, refer to God the Father, the second three, Christ Eleison, to God the Son, and the last three, Kyrie Eleison, to God the Holy Spirit. The ninefold repetition is seen as mirroring the heavenly praise of the nine choirs of angels. Gloria in Excelsis this ancient Christian hymn, known by its incipit or first words in Latin, is based upon the hymn which the angels sang announcing the birth of Christ to the shepherds, Luke 2.14. It is also sometimes called the greater doxology, as opposed to the minor doxology, the Gloria Patri, or the angelic hymn. The hymn consists of two parts. Words of praise addressed to the three divine persons of the Holy Trinity, and words of supplication addressed to the second person of the Trinity, the true celebrant of the Eucharistic liturgy, who is both high priest and saving victim. The Gloria is sung on Sundays outside of Advent and Lent, and on feast days. The Salutation The priest now greets the people with the words, The Lord be with you. The response is, And with thy spirit. This is the way that the earliest Christians, following an ancient custom of the Hebrews, greeted one another. This salutation and response will be repeated at particularly important times throughout the Mass. The collect or collects of the day. The priest now says one or more proper daily prayers called collects from the Latin word collecta. Each Sunday Each holy day throughout the year, and many important weekdays throughout the year, e.g. the weekdays of Lent, have their own specially appointed collect, often reflecting the theme of the day. Scholars have offered different explanations for this term. Some have thought that the collect essentially collects all of the petitions and holy desires of the Eucharistic assembly into one prayer, offered by the priest to God the Father in the name of the Son and in the Holy Spirit. Still others believe that collecta originally referred to to that first station where the faithful gathered for worship in the days when Mass was often preceded by a long procession to the church. Amen. After the first and last colics, the faithful respond with an ancient Hebrew word, amen, meaning, this is the truth, or may it be so. It is important to remember that this response, this assent to the prayers of the priest, is necessary, since the Mass is really the prayer of the whole church, one spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. 1 Peter two five. The Lessons. The basic outline of the first part of the Mass, the Mass of the Catechumens, is thought to have come from the worship of the Jewish synagogue, with which our Lord, the apostles, and the earliest Christians would have been intimately acquainted. The synagogue service was a service of scriptural lessons from the Law and the Prophets, The chanting of psalms, and the delivery of a sermon. Naturally, the earliest Christians adopted this basic liturgical pattern, and over time began to read their own New Testament scriptures, together with the psalms, as part of the service. Hence, the Epistle and Gospel of the Mass connected by the psalm chants of the gradual. The Epistle The first lesson is the Epistle, another variable part of the Mass. It is normally taken from one of the epistles of St. Paul, but sometimes it comes from the Acts of the Apostles or another epistle of the New Testament, e.g., Peter or James. Occasionally, as in the weekdays of Lent, the epistle is replaced by a lesson, commonly called a prophecy, from the Old Testament. The Gradual. On most days throughout the year, the epistle is followed by the Gradual, another proper element of the Mass. It usually consists of two verses taken from the Psalms. In the early church, it probably consisted of an entire psalm. Often the gradual is meant to reflect or re-echo the themes of the epistle just heard, or anticipate the themes of the gospel about to be read. Ordinarily, the gospel is followed by the Alleluia, or the tract. The Alleluia, with its verse from the Psalms, or another source, from the Hebrew word, praise the Lord, is meant as an expression of joy and exaltation, and is sung only outside of penitential times. When the Alleluia is not sung, the tract, or a group of psalm, or other scriptural verses, is usually sung in its place. In the Easter season, both the gradual and the tract are replaced by the great Alleluia, a longer version of the ordinary Alleluia chant. On a few occasions throughout the year, a special rhymed hymn called the Sequence is sung before the Gospel. The Holy Gospel. The reading of the Holy Gospel is one of the holiest moments of the Mass. Through its ritual and ceremonial, it represents Christ Himself, the way, the truth, and the life, John 14.6, who came down from heaven in order to save us, to reveal his Father to us, and to send us his Holy Spirit. The word gospel, the common translation of the Greek word evangelion, good news, is an old Anglo-Saxon term composed of God, the old spelling of good, and spell, a story or a narrative. The gospel in the Mass is a proper, a variable element of the Mass, Always a selection from one of the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Because Christ is present in a special way during the reading of the gospel, we stand as a sign of reverence and attention. We also make three small signs of the cross with the thumb on the forehead, on the lips, and on the breast, in order that the teachings and the deeds of the crucified one may be inscribed forever upon our minds, may be professed with our lips, and may be followed with all our heart. At solemn high mass, the deacon receives a blessing from the celebrant, and accompanied by the subdeacon and servers with torches and incense, proceeds to the accustomed place to chant the appointed portion of the holy gospel. At sung mass, the priest may read the gospel. The Homily A major feature of the ancient Jewish synagogue service was the sermon, an explanation of the law and the prophets given by the rabbi, or teacher. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the true rabbi or teacher sent from God, and at the inception of his public ministry, he delivered the most famous synagogue sermon in history based on a passage from the prophet Isaiah. This comes from Luke 4, 15-32. The bishop, or with his blessing the priest or deacon at Mass, gives the sermon, which is normally devoted to explaining the significance of the Gospel and the epistle of the day. At this point, the first division of the liturgy, the Mass of the Catechumens, is ended. The Creed After the words and deeds of Christ have been proclaimed to us in the Holy Gospel, we profess our belief in our Lord Jesus Christ, His Father, and His Holy Spirit, one triune God, using the ancient words of the original version of the Nicene Constantinopolitan Creed, named after the two councils of the early church, which authored the text. The Creed, which is said every Sunday and on certain feast days, forms the link between the Mass of the Catechumens and the Mass of the Faithful. It is both a response of faith to the scriptural readings and the basis for our participation in what is still to come. At the words, and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man, the clergy and the faithful genuflect out of their great reverence and gratitude for the mystery of the Incarnation, God the Son, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, who, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2.8 what is the appropriate response of those who have been saved by this God-Man, Quote, that at that, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Offertory. The Offertory is the beginning of the Eucharistic sacrifice proper. The priest solemnly offers to God the bread and the wine representative of our own offerings of ourselves, our souls, and bodies, so that they can be returned to us as the body and blood of Christ. The offertory begins with the salutation and the chanting or recitation of the offertory verse, another proper part of the Mass. The priest, whose role it is to represent the entire church before God, prays a series of special offertory prayers in a low voice. First, he offers the bread, called the host, from the Latin word hostia, meaning sacrificial victim raising it to heaven while asking God the Father to accept it for the salvation of himself, all those present, and for all the faithful in Christ, both living and dead. Next, he offers the chalice, or the cup, of wine mixed with water, that he who is partaker of our humanity may make us joint heirs of his very Godhead, even Jesus Christ our Lord. At solemn high mass, the priest, assisted by the deacon and subdeacon, also offers incense to God as a symbol of the sweet-smelling savor of the prayers of the people ascending up to heaven. The priest then washes his hands as a sign of his preparation to offer the Eucharistic sacrifice, having been cleansed from sin. The priest turns to the faithful to ask for their intercession, quote, that this, my sacrifice and yours, may be acceptable to God the Father Almighty. And finally, to conclude the offertory, the priest quietly reads the secret prayers from the missal. The Prayer for the Church. The Apostle Paul commanded his disciple, Saint Timothy, the first bishop of Ephesus, to include within the liturgy supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks for all men, as well as for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. All of the ancient Eucharistic liturgies of the Church contain general intercessions, Pleading the Eucharistic sacrifice on behalf of the Church throughout the world, of the civil authorities, of the clergy, of the sick and suffering, and of the faithful departed. The whole state of Christ's Church includes all these and properly asks the intercessions of the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the saints. The General Confession In speaking of the Eucharistic liturgy, St. Paul warned the Corinthian Church, Whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven 27-29. It is for this reason that the church exhorts her frequent communicants to partake of the sacrament of confession on a regular basis and the Church also appoints a general confession and absolution within the rite of Mass as a further and complementary way of preparing her children for the worthiest possible reception of the sacred mysteries of the Lord's Body and Blood. The Christian faithful, throughout the heartfelt sense of repentance, obedience, and love, are now prepared to draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament of the Eucharist, not to their condemnation, as St. Paul warned the Corinthians, but to their comfort. The faithful are assured of their confidence in the forgiveness of sins and the blameless partaking of the Eucharist by the proclamation of the so-called comfortable words from the New Testament. Note that the words comfort and comfortable are not to be understood in the sense of a comfortable chair, but in the sense in which our Lord calls the Holy Spirit the comforter, paraclete, the one who sends us heavenly strength, fortitude, and divine aid in our distress. John 14, 16-17, and 26. Sursum corda The holiest part of the Eucharistic liturgy begins now with a dialogue found both in the primitive Jewish liturgy and in every ancient Christian liturgy. The priest exclaims, "Lift up your hearts," Sursum corda in Latin, and the faithful respond, "We lift them up unto the Lord." In the divine liturgy, we are to lay aside all earthly cares and ascend in heart and mind to the heavenly throne. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3, 1-3 The priest continues, Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. And the, faith, and the faithful respond, It is meet and right so to do. Since the word Eucharist is derived from the Greek word Eucharistia, which means thanksgiving, the essence of the Mass is thanksgiving to God the Father for the gift of salvation bestowed in His Son and His Holy Spirit. The Preface The priest continues with the preface, another very ancient and beautiful prayer derived from the ancient worship of Israel. It is the solemn introduction to the canon of the Mass, or prayer of consecration, The purpose of the preface is to offer God praise and thanksgiving for His mighty acts in the history of salvation. The preface is a reflection of the eternal praise offered to the Trinity by the ranks of angels and concludes with the chanting of the Sanctus, Holy, 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 a sublime song which the prophet Isaiah heard when he was caught up to witness the liturgy of the heavenly temple. And the seraphim cried to one another and said, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah six three. In the Western Rite tradition, there are proper prefaces appointed for different days throughout the church's liturgical year—Easter, Pentecost, Trinity, Christmas, Epiphany, etc. Next, the Benedictus, blessed is he, is the song of the Hebrew children when they sang uh, to Christ as the king entered Jerusalem to accomplish his decease in order that he might suffer, die, and rise again. It said, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Matthew 21.9. The Canon or Prayer of Consecration The Canon or Prayer of Consecration is the central prayer of the Mass, during which the elements of bread and wine, by the mercy and power of God the Holy Spirit, are changed into the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. While the outward signs, sight, taste, touch, of the bread and wine remain, nevertheless Christians, through the divine gift of faith, understand the reality of the sacrament. The structure of the prayer of consecration is as follows. An opening thanksgiving for the redemptive sacrifice of Christ, the recitation of the narrative of the institution of the Eucharist by our Lord Jesus Christ, accompanied by the celebrants, genuflections, and elevations, the solemn oblation of the Eucharistic gifts with the memorials, an or mystical representation of Christ's passion, death, resurrection, and ascension, the invocation or epiclesis of the Holy Spirit to change the gifts into the body and blood of Christ, along with a petition for worthy reception, the oblation of the worshippers, ourselves, our souls, and bodies, along with a prayer for the benefits of communion, a commemoration of the faithful departed, with a catalog of names of apostles and martyrs of the early church, A final acknowledgement of our unworthiness with a petition of the acceptance for the sacrifice. And finally, a concluding Trinitarian doxology, accompanied by an elevation of the sacrament and a solemn Amen, or assent, of the faithful. The Lord's Prayer At the heart of the Mass is the Lord's Prayer, or Our Father, Pater Noster in Latin, the holiest of all Christian prayers, which our Lord Himself taught His disciples to pray. It is both the completion of the prayer of consecration as well as the first act of spiritual preparation for Holy Communion. After this, the priest says a silent prayer for deliverance from evil, based on the last petition of the Lord's Prayer. The priest then performs the fracture of the host, symbolizing the broken body of the crucified Christ, and salutes the faithful with, Peace of the Lord. He breaks off a small particle of the host and mixes it in the chalice with, a, with another silent prayer. Agnes Day in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist, also called the Forerunner, beheld the Lord Jesus Christ coming to be baptized in the Jordan River and announced him to the multitudes. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John 1.29. The prophet Isaiah, centuries before Christ, spoke prophetically of Christ as the one who will be brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Isaiah fifty three seven. Jesus is the true sacrificial Lamb of God prefigured in the slaughtered Passover or Paschal Lamb of the ancient Tipple. Just as the Lamb's blood was sprinkled upon the altar and His flesh consumed by the priests, so we in Holy Communion are true partakers of the body and blood of Christ, the true Lamb of God. And just as the blood of the Paschal Lamb protected the Hebrews from the destroying angel, Exodus 12, so the Christian faithful are protected and preserved unto eternal life through the sacrifice of Christ. When we sing the Agnus Dei, Lord have mercy, in Mass on earth, we join with the song of the heavenly liturgy. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Revelation 5.12 The Holy Communion The rite of Holy Communion continues with the so-called prayer of humble access, The celebrant then privately makes his own communion with silent prayers, after which he shows the blessed sacrament to the faithful, saying, Behold the Lamb of God, and invites them to come forward to partake in the consumption of the sacrifice. The faithful respond with the words of the centurion from St. Matthew's Gospel, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, and then add two communion devotions borrowed from the late Byzantine usage, I believe, O Lord, and I confess, and sometimes, of thy mystic supper. The Holy Communion is given to the faithful who kneel at the altar rail in reverence to the presence of our Lord and His sacrament. It is the Orthodox Catholic custom to give both the body and blood to the faithful. The Ablutions After the distribution of Holy Communion, the priest returns to the altar to perform the ablutions, or washings. The priest first cleanses the chalice to remove any remaining drops of the precious blood, and then cleanses his fingers of any crumbs remaining from the holy body. After making sure that every crumb of the sacrament has been reverently consumed, he cleanses the sacred vessels and reserves the remainder of the sacrament in the tabernacle. The Church appoints these ablutions out of deep respect for the sacrament, which is truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The Eucharist is a banquet, yet no ordinary meal. The Church follows the example of the holy apostles at the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, and they did eat and were filled, and they took up the fragments that remained. Matthew 14.20. The Post-Communion. The priest now reads one or more post-communion colics, part of the propers or variable parts of the Mass, and the prayer commonly called the Thanksgiving, part of the ordinary or constant part of the Mass. In these prayers, the priest, in the name of the faithful, expresses gratitude for the divine gifts of communion, and asks God for various graces to continue in God's friendship and preserve the spiritual benefits of holy communion in the soul. The Dismissal and Blessing The deacon or priest now dismisses the faithful from the liturgy. Depart in peace is said in most Masses throughout the year. Let us bless the Lord is said in penitential Masses. In Masses for the Dead, or Requiem Masses, the dismissal is replaced by a final prayer for the faithful departed. May they rest in peace. And in all Masses, except Requiem Masses, the priest invokes the final blessing upon the faithful. Finally, the last Gospel. This Gospel, originally a private devotion of the priest, which in time was introduced into the public liturgy, is almost always taken from the first 14 verses of the Gospel according to St. John. All stand and make the three small signs of the cross, as at the first Gospel of the Mass. When the priest says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, we genuflect, as in the creed, out of reverence and gratitude for the mystery of the Incarnation. This concludes the celebration of the Divine Liturgy or the Mass. Often, in conclusion, a final hymn will be sung, during which the priest and his ministers will process toward the rear of the nave. The priest may then bless the congregation with a final blessing. For more information, visit adventatlanta.org advent, A-D-V-E-N-T Visit our resources page and at the bottom find the Church of the Advent service book. There you can find everything that I've read during this podcast episode, as well as the texts of the liturgy itself. Talks at Advent Homilies and Reflections Given at the Church of the Advent A Western Rite Orthodox Mission in Atlanta, Georgia